Hello and welcome to The Winchester, the podcast where we explore everything to do with film, TV, entertainment, pop culture, you name it. If you're a nerd like us, you're in the right place. We'll be diving deep into all things nerdy to discuss exactly what it is we love and hate about them. We're continuing our COVID-19 quarantine with post-apocalyptic movies. This week, we're diving into The Hunger Games. And we'll be answering the question, what do you think a post-apocalyptic world would look like for us? But first, let's do a little recap of the week. So obviously we've got COVID-19 still happening. Uh, Sadly, the numbers have been increasing. The U.S. is um, projecting uh, 100,000 dead, which is insane. It's extremely scary. Uh, So it's such a difficult thing to actually be watching all this. And I can't imagine the people who this has actually affected, the family members who, uh, who are going through this. One of the other podcasts I listened to, I actually just listened to it before we got on here. Um, He works for the last podcast network and he got COVID and just decided not to tell anyone. Like not in the sense that he got it and was like going and spreading it everywhere, but he stayed at home. He quarantined with his girlfriend, but he didn't want anyone to worry and he didn't want anyone to be like freaking out. And so he just came out and told everyone this week that he got it and all of his friends were right i don't know if rightfully but they were really pissed at him for not telling them because he's in new york and new york is like the epicenter right now yeah it's it's scary just listening to him talk about it was like it's kind of the first person i've heard like i don't know him obviously but i listen to his podcast every single week and so it was kind of like oh boy that's that does not sound fun (laughs) yeah so this is so he didn't he was isolating though so he wasn't in contact with people like he wasn't putting people at risk he was just isolating he just kept it to himself yeah him and his him and his wife were isolating he just didn't tell anyone because he's a podcaster like he doesn't actually have to go outside to work so he just stayed at home and but he didn't tell anyone and did he tell his wife yeah because she had it too and apparently she's like immunocompromised and all this shit so he was like terrified that they were gonna have to go to a hospital and like obviously hospitals in new york right now are not a place that you want to be so he would like i i don't know i think if i got it i would want the support of my friends and family i don't know if i'd be able to just like yeah i mean that's kind of that's kind of uh it's such a tricky thing to to answer because it's like that's a that's a question for you would you tell your friends and family those closest to you because like some people they think it's like a hindrance or it's like i don't want to bother anybody with this or with my problem you know what i mean but also it's like you know, you, you don't you don't have to go through it alone. Yeah, like I would probably tell my family. It would be hard though because, like, I know my mom would freak out, and my mom is like really far no. from me now, so I don't I don't really know how that would go. <laughs> but right, yeah, I definitely tell my friends and family, but I wouldn't be broadcasting yeah. Yeah. it to everyone. Yeah, I'd vlog about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm imagine well, I mean, there's no. <laughs> Yeah. Hey guys, this week and I'm sick as shit. Uh, no, hey, who I, I picked I, that goddamn song. Imagine there's no heaven. That is a terrible message to be sending right now. Yeah. Why? Like I don't know. Uh, thing people hurt my brain. Um, a buddy of mine at work got it, yep. and um, I just found out. Like this is. A, a, I've worked with him like months ago, months and months ago. But uh, he's recovering, thankfully. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, thankfully here in Toronto, Canada, you know, our numbers are 
you know, Canada thankfully has got a, a, a decently good grasp of things, but uh, the numbers are still increasing as they're supposed to be expected. We haven't peaked yet. New York is just about to peak apparently. So numbers are going to keep going up, but thankfully Canada um, has acted as quickly as they should have. That's up to debate, of course, but uh, something's being done. We, I think we're, we, we're one of the countries that are at least, you know, working hard and our governments insanely liberals and conservatives are working together and uh things are getting done which is nice to see absolutely uh speaking speaking of covid um earlier this month south by southwest was uh canceled in austin texas and it was actually just announced that amazon prime and south by southwest are going to be partnering together to do a film festival collection on amazon prime video this is going to be a selection of the films that were meant to be shown at South by Southwest, but they're actually going to be shown digitally online over the course of a 10-day period. And it is going to be free for U.S. audiences. We don't know about Canadian audiences yet. You won't need an Amazon Prime membership. You'll just need an Amazon account. And they are actually going to be paying the filmmakers a screening fee. And Amazon has been adamant that they won't own the films and that the filmmakers will still be able to pursue uh, other distribution options, which I think this is an awesome, not just a PR move, but this is an awesome move from Amazon. This multi-billion dollar corporation is kind of stepping up to help get these films by these some of them are pretty indie filmmakers uh, in front of the more eyes that potentially than the film festival itself would have put them in front of and uh, kind of get these names in these films out there, which I think is, I think it's really, really cool of them. And I know, I know it's a big PR move, right? Most of what the corporate what corporations are doing right now is really just a PR move, but I think it's a good one. I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Are you going to watch yeah. any of the movies? Um, oh, totally. I mean, I, I think, look, I mean, something has to be done. And I, I think we can all agree on that. Um, and of course, right now, uh, yeah, we're, corporations are doing all these PR stunts and all and PR moves all, and all that. Um, but this could very well start changing the way that we ingest our material. You know, so I think, I mean, there's been film festivals that have done online screenings before, you know, like, you know, there's like NSI and all that stuff that's, uh, uh, that broadcast, you can submit short films and they do a whole thing online. I think on YouTube, they've partnered with them. But uh, I think this is great. I mean, like, it, yeah, and you're also opening um, an audience. You're opening up to an audience that wouldn't normally access that. You know, like South by Southwest, a lot of people are just like, oh, I would love to go there, but, you know, I can't. I can't, you know, I'm not going to spend that money. I'm not going to, whatever. But I think it's uh, it's wonderful to... Um, to to expose an audience to that uh, that they wouldn't normally get the chance to see, but also um, the fact that Amazon's paying them a uh, yeah. a screening fee, and also not owning not owning the material, which is fantastic. But also that's a surprising those, move from Amazon for sure. Yeah, but you would but then also like you would think that they would pay um, a little bit more than just a screening fee, because I'm sure these filmmakers, um, especially the indie ones, are just kind of like. Oh no! I want my stuff to be seen. I want to get paid for it. I want to get whatever. So if it means going to Amazon, great. I mean, if I had something in there, I would just be. I would also be happy. This just to have just get paid for my work. You know what I mean? This, this is interesting. This is interesting too because in one of our lost episodes that we recorded like last year, we had which maybe we'll release at some point. Uh, we had a discussion about um, was it Martin? It was Scorsese? Steven Spielberg. 
No, it was Steven Spielberg talking about how uh, he wanted... I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something about keeping movies in theaters instead of releasing them online immediately. And I wonder if that changes our thoughts on that at all. It would be interesting to revisit that now that I'm just sitting here thinking about it. And I wonder, actually, if it changes steven spielberg's view on it at all well, I obviously think, yeah, i don't know <laughs> i think i think i think it was mentioned in that episode the whole um would you rather your film go straight to netflix or amazon prime or any of those uh streaming services or would you just rather it not get seen like what like right now that's not just an indie filmmaker point of view that's every hollywood filmmaker right now too their films aren't getting shown in theaters anywhere in the world right now right just about every theater in the world is closed yeah like we also have to um we also have to kind of address that you know filmmaking like i love Spielberg, steven spielberg spielberg is you know amazing i love him he's king um but we also have to like that type of filmmaker that caliber of filmmaker has the options. They have the option to do whatever they want with their movie, whether yeah. it be screened in a theater or put online. Like Steven Spielberg, uh, he he said stuff about you know not wanting streaming services, but then partnered with Apple TV. You know, so he's got the option to do whatever he wants, and good for him. He's worked to get that. But for filmmakers. You know, like us or filmmakers who have gotten, uh, you know, distribution deals, maybe one or two or, you know, up to 10, who knows? But anybody that's not of the caliber of Spielberg doesn't have all of the options. They don't get to say, oh, well, I can just either put it through my own distribution company or my buddies at Paramount or my buddies at CBS or my buddies at whatever. Like we, they don't have, we don't have those those avenues to explore. So if it, for me, like my stance hasn't really changed on it. I just want people to see it. I want to get paid for it and I want to make more, you know? And like for, for some of these filmmakers, like South by is the way that their movie is going to get picked up by a distributor. Like they've, some of them may have sunk like the hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more into these movies and they needed this as their way to get the movie out to the masses. So I think that this is a pretty good compromise. Absolutely. And cinemas will always be around. I, I honestly, I prefer to go see a movie in cinemas. I'm not opposed to watching a, a movie on my couch at home. I do it all the time. I like the experience of going to the cinema. I do it a lot more than some people do. But even then, I don't see every movie I want to see in the theater because I know like this one's going to be a good theater experience. This one, I, I want to see it, but it can wait. Well, like, I don't want to see Hobbs and Shaw sitting on my couch. I want to see Hobbs and Shaw in a giant movie theater with everyone else laughing at what's going on on screen because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, like there's going to be some movies out there that require like, the, it'll be the best to be seen on, you know, on a big screen. Like whenever you go to see a, a Christopher Nolan movie, you want to see it on the biggest screen possible. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and, and the majority of the people like it's people our age. So anybody in there, either from twenty five to thirty five, um, <laughs> are probably the ones are probably the ones who have you know the big four K TVs things like that because we're the generation that uh, that we're into it. Anybody that's older than that isn't 
isn't always the people who are going to be up to date with the biggest TVs and all that. But also, like Ben said, it's an experience. And like Hannah, what you're saying, you want to go and see it with people. You know, it's all cinema's always going to be around because it's an event, and the event is what makes it special. Oh, of course. You're experiencing it with so many different people. You know, you're laughing at it. It's it's like it's like theater. You know what I mean? Everybody thought I, theater was going to go away when movies and television were coming out. And theater's still here. Theater's still strong. Fucking Hamilton is fucking killing it. So I don't think, I don't think we have anything to worry about. Is it going to shrink? Maybe. But is it going to go away? No. I think it's, I think it's definitely going to change, but it's not going to disappear. And one, honestly, I think Steven Spielberg is entitled to his opinion. But I think I don't think any filmmaker should speak for the whole industry like i feel like it should be like the filmmaker should speak for their film like steven spielberg doesn't want his films going direct to streaming that's fine put them in the theater but you and i i would again like you were saying i'd rather get my film out there than not at all right i'm not gonna i wouldn't make a film and fight and fight and fight for the theater and then have someone offer me a streaming deal and go no it's not a theater i'm not gonna do it I, I would jump on that. Okay, but we okay. The thing that we have to understand though is that these filmmakers are coming at it from a different perspective in terms of, uh, well, I mean, based on where they came from. You know, Scorsese, Spielberg, all these people didn't come from a place where streaming existed. Uh, they and they worked their way up, and now they have the options. Even think about where we started at film school. We still shot on fucking film. Oh, yeah. Like, that that was still something that we did. The The change has happened more rapidly than, than I think people even realize. Like, it's it will change eventually. It's just, it's happening, like, really yeah. fast. Our first two years at film school, we shot on film. Yeah. Like, that's bonkers. And that was, you know, a decade ago. No. but the thing is is like so for us yeah we'd leap at the we'd leap at the chance to and anything and everything because we know that's the future of content and if it's and like you said ben if it's really if it's something to really experience oh yeah push for a theatrical release but we're 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 of the mindset where we just want to work they're of the mindset where it's like, ah, oh, I've got the option to do whatever I want. And great, that's amazing for them. But if if they are speaking for the entire community, that's not okay. If they're speaking for themselves, fantastic. Because they can do whatever they want and they've earned that. I agree entirely with that. Uh, my big thing, I have the utmost respect for the filmmakers that you've already mentioned. But the thing is, they helped change the entire landscape of cinema when they were coming up they should i think they should kind of realize that the new generation of filmmakers the filmmakers that are uh the age that they were when they were really starting to make a name for themselves they're starting to change the face of cinema just the same way that spielberg and uh scorsese even uh lucas the way that they film or changed that landscape that's happening again with a different generation yeah 100 and yeah i just i think they need to acknowledge that because they're it's the new Scorsese's and the new um, Spielbergs that are coming up right now. And I don't know, in 40 years, we're going to be looking at 
the current generation of uh, up-and-coming filmmakers and probably going to be looking at how they're complaining about the ne- next generation. It happens every every time there's a change, the previous generation has something to say about it. Not necessarily saying that that's a, a bad thing, it's just a pattern that's developed over generations and generations. Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, there's definitely, like, I mean, especially filmmakers like Scorsese, where, um, you know, there was that whole debacle about, oh, you know, Marvel films aren't cinema. But, I mean, of course they're cinema. They're, they're playing the cinema. They play, you know, they've got their stories. They've got, like, they've got everything to them to make them cinema. But it's like, I, I think what you said is, is spot on. You know, like, people who change the... People who are revolutionaries could have become the establishment now. You know what I mean? And yeah. for, them, for them to shoo away new things is not, is not cool. But, I mean, there are filmmakers out there. I mean, Spielberg is, you know, he tries to stay current, you know, with just take a look at all of his movies, his progressions of movies, you know, and his protégés, you know, J.J. Abrams and everything. They all push for new ways of doing things. And, and hopefully, I mean, streaming's not going to go away. It's our future. And if it's... Uh, like we said, if it's meant for the cinema, push it for the cinema because you have your you have that option. But don't take away that option from uh, future filmmakers and up and comers because it's the only option they've got. Yes. All right. So, well said, everyone. That's great. <laughs> Put a nice button on it. Yeah. Um, so with more COVID COVID nineteen is just changing the way of how we are ingesting content and it's also affecting the content that we that we so desperately want and want to get our hands on uh last of us has been delayed what are our thoughts on that i am not happy (laughs) two games now that i want to play have been delayed cyberpunk before all the covid stuff happened and now last of us um so i'm kind of bummed but I don't know. It'll come out when it comes out. I can't. I can't be upset about it anymore. Like, <laughs> I have such a backlog of games that it's it's disappointing. But if I really s- sat down to really dig into some of the games, I could play for months and months and months without working and still have games in my collection that I have not played. So I can live without it. As disappointed as I am, we've already waited a few years for this game. I think we can wait possibly one more. They've delayed it indefinitely so i think it's really it all depends on when all of this blows over then they can get the manufacturing done on the physical copies i think honestly i think that's the main issue right now is physical copies so we so we saw what happened basically with animal crossing um people in fucking droves they came out in droves just (laughs) lining up at eb games and game stops just wanted to get their hands on it. They, people broke quarantine to buy this goddamn game when you could buy it digitally, of course. Um, Which is why we are now going to be in our homes until August. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So my question is, do we think that anybody is going to release their games until like during this quarantine? Do we think that realistically anyone's going to take the risk of only doing a digital release? Uh, Final Fantasy VII has already started preloading and shipping copies early to make sure that they get there for launch. But isn't... Wait a sec. Hold on. I know Best Buy in some places... Well, I guess the States hasn't really closed much, but at least for Canada. Like, I know a lot... Like, EB Games is closed here in Canada. Yep. Um, so from my where understanding, are they going to sell this stuff? From my understanding, um, what they're shipping out, is, physical copy-wise, is like direct-to-consumer copies. 
Um, oh, I haven't okay. I haven't read too much into it, but it's really it's going to be Walmart and Best Buy. I think are going to be the only places, uh, unless you order online. I right. mean, Walmart is likely going to be staying open no matter what, right? Because they oh, are totally. also grocery stores. So true, but they might close down some sections of the store. Yeah. Then again, their electronic section where you would find a copy of, or any of their video games or movies is also where you would get computer, which is considered right now, at least in Ontario, um, essential. If you're working from well, home, yeah, you're going to need your computer. Work- exactly. Like I actually just had to order a printer because I'm doing a bunch of stuff right now that re- requires me to print stuff. And I can't really go. I mean, I could go to Staples, but I don't know how essential that is. So I, I mean, uh, I, I don't use I, my printer. You could have had mine. Oh, well. <laughs> Too late <laughs> I've now. To, I've had to use it quite a lot over the last little while, actually. So um, stuff like that is still being delivered so i've had a few things delivered and i think it's the best case scenario because you just like say to the person just leave it in the lobby go get it with your hands wrapped and wipe it down when you get in and you're golden i mean my copy of uh rise of skywalker steelbook showed up early yeah like honestly i've still been i've been getting stuff like next day it's insane (laughs) i sent someone a package from here to uh about five hours away a large heavy package it arrived less than 24 hours later and i paid for three day shipping i wonder if it's because there's no one on the roads there's no traffic and so delivery trucks are just like hey i can drive down the highway real fast (laughs) absolutely i was reading somewhere that someone did a uh a commute in la that took 30 minutes and with traffic takes upwards of six hours i mean that's the positive of all this right like we're all because we all have to be in our houses like i've been seeing kind of like nice stories like i am legend level stories of like animals coming back into the cities because people aren't around and yeah it's like something like in japan wasn't it like there was a whole thing of deer or something all those monkeys in taiwan yeah. Yeah, and like like the the ozone or not the ozone. I don't know. I was about to say something that I don't actually know if it's true, <laughs> so I'm just going to not say it. But smog um, levels around the world have been dra- <laughs> dropping drastically. Yes. Yeah, like it's uh, it almost kind of feels like the the planet's healing itself. Well, yeah. we're not messing with it. Yeah. So it like in a way, I think it's good because it can show people like this is what it's like when you don't just hop in your car and drive to the corner store, like. You can live your life and still have a happy life, even if you don't have to be in your car all the time. And I think that's kind of that's kind of nice. Get outside As, and enjoy the fresh air because it's actually fresh. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Okay, that brings us to our question of the week. Every week we're given a question, whether it's asked from one of us on the panel here or from one of you, our amazing listeners. This week's question is... What do you think a post-apocalyptic world would look like for us? So this week we watched Hunger Games to kind of match with our um, post-apocalyptic question. And uh, after watching Hunger Games, you know, I think that that's pretty close to what it would be. Maybe that mixed with a little bit of I Am Legend. Like maybe something would happen in the cities. We all have to move out of the cities nuclear something i don't know (laughs) basically the rich take over all the major parts and we all have to live on the outskirts yeah i mean that's fair i mean yeah i i i have to agree i think uh i think hunger games is fairly close to what we would actually get 
um, with a little bit of that uh, Romanian government trying to become oppressive and a little bit of that uh, high society surrounding that government body. Like, uh, I, I see our consumeristic uh, society kind of gravitating towards that idea. Think of a little bit of that, but I wouldn't take I Am Legend. I'd take more Mad Max. I think it's like the more so the fuel shortages than the outfits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you wanna, you wanna, like Ben wants to get tribal with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've, I'm yeah. still waiting for my Mad Max outfit to arrive so I can start going out of the house in the apocalyptic fashion. Yeah, Ben's waiting for his cod piece and his leather to show up. Are you not? Oh, I've already got mine, bud. Oh, okay, cool. I've had mine for years. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think um, Hunger Games with a little bit of a fuel shortage thrown in there. Yeah, I mean, I think it also depends on like what what we what are we talking about post apocalyptic? Like, are we talking about that we've kind of survived, or because as soon as we throw in like anything nuclear, we start going into the there is a shit ton less of people around. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, because I mean, you I think get more into I am Legend. Yeah, like I don't think I don't think nuclear war is going to be what does us in. I think humanity. No, it would just I think drastically hum- change yeah. our society. Yeah, I think I think nuclear war is. I think humanity isn't that stupid. Humanity, humanity's mm, stupid. I just have don't been think. Before. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I just don't think we're that dumb to completely wipe out the entire. Mm, Trump is the president of the United States. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying in my graph of what is probably going to happen. That might that's gonna be on this lower end. Now pandemic. <laughs> I like how you're like not legend. gonna happen, and then you're like mm, might happen. <laughs> Remember, we're a society where we used to have nuclear bomb viewing parties. Uh, there used to be a hotel in Las Vegas dedicated to uh, having the best view of the bomb Here. drop test sites in the desert, where people would drink and literally stare at a bomb. All right, I you've convinced we're me. Not. We're all gonna I die. Hope I. I- I'm going to side with that Scott. That used to be in fashion. I hope we're not that stupid. I don't have as much faith in us, but I hope we're not. Oh, I know we are. I just think that there's going to be something far, like something that we haven't prepared for at all would take like us COVID-19. down. Like COVID-19. Like COVID-19. Like a fucking pandemic <laughs> that everyone, like, you know, we just fired the entire pandemic team and then there's a pandemic you know what i mean like <laughs> nuclear like war is something that you know that's in humanity like humanity has war in it all the time and you're kind of prepared for war in a way and you know but like for a pandemic or it could be like all of a sudden like, oh god i didn't expect the dolphins to invade us oh my god we're all fucking dying because <laughs> so the dolphins have attacked. <laughs> you know oh no the turtles have achieved consciousness <laughs> Not the turtles. I love turtles. Tigers take revenge for Joe Exotic. <laughs> yeah. I just think there's just a plenty of other things that would do us in before a nuclear war. I mean, we're stupid. Lo- we're fucking I- so stupid, but I don't think we're that dumb. I love just like, I used to always see all these articles on like Vice or whatever on their Instagram being like, a giant asteroid is miles away from hitting Earth and stuff like that. And I gotta say, since all this COVID stuff has come out, a lot of that stuff has just kind of gone away. The like all the threats and everything that I used to see that would seem now just like they're posting about them to make people scared. 
Oh, it's, it's yeah. all... fear-mongering. They just have a more credible source of fear-mongering. Well, now with all this COVID-19, everyone's just like, oh, man, you know what would be really good right now? Oh, like an asteroid. So, <laughs> like, oh, an asteroid? That's just exciting. That's out. something new. Something different that can kill us. Other than just COVID-19 all day yeah. long. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so we've kind of, like, all of us kind of agree that our version of a post-apocalyptic world would be Hunger Games-ish with a little bit of fuel shortage, but thankfully humanity's still alive, but we're savage as fuck. Um, okay, well, let's that's, that's jump right into uh, reviewing our Hunger Games then, because that is the movie that we decided to watch, and we talked about it so much already. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, this movie came out quite a little while ago. Um, is it 2012? 2012, eh? Holy 11? shit. Um, so what do we think? It's well, it's still within the same decade, so it, I'm sure it still holds up. But um, I haven't watched this movie in a long time. Have you guys? I, I haven't seen it since I, I don't even know. A long time ago now. I saw it once in theaters, and that's it. So did we like it then, and do we like it now? Yes and yes. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it's longer than – or no – yeah, it's longer than I remember, and there's a lot more setup than I remember. Like, I didn't re- realize the Hunger Games aren't until halfway through the movie. Yeah. Oh, and what a time it was before everyone was over Jennifer Lawrence's coy and hilarious behavior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked her in the I movie. Love I thought her. she did a good job. Yeah, I think she's great. I really liked her. I totally forgot that the movie starts off with, like, hardcore exposition. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It was like, they go straight into, like, an interview. And I was like, holy yeah. shit, I totally forgot that this was like, and this is what happened. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, like, that's, lit- that's the, f- the first 45 minutes are talking about what happened, and then there's, like, 20 minutes of them training for the Hunger Games, and then all of a sudden they're finally in the actual fight. So that, that scene where uh, her little sister gets called up on stage and she, like, freaks out. I still got goosebumps from that. I knew it was going to happen. I was just like, oh, dang. It was so good. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Tension's really good in this I, uh, I, I, I absolutely agree. I did feel, I don't know, it, the, the pacing felt a little weird to me, but I think that was just because they were setting up this series in the first half of this movie. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, there's a, there's a, lot, a lot of moving parts in this world. I don't know if they could have done it a little bit better but i remember i remember reading the book after watching the movie and it's very similar in its setup yeah i read the book first because i don't know they came out like a summer or two before and i remember just flying through them that always happens though i find with books that get turned into movies is like they gotta pack in the like first 50 pages of exposition somehow and it always kind of seems a little janky um i gotta say i didn't really mind it like I thought like the the no. scenes with Gail and and her in the forest was nice and a no Peta no Peta Peta is a no. lame lame character <laughs> she should not have wound up with Peta Gail all the way just gonna say that now that was that's um, who is it Josh Hutchinson no yeah yeah um, I don't know I felt he was really awkward. He's a just drip. to look at him. He was just, he just, I don't know. There's just something about him that wasn't very, I know he, I know Pete is not exactly the most charismatic person or character. There's nothing about his character that 
drew me in or wanted to know more. Every time it was focusing on him, I was like, all right, should I just fast forward it? Like it he just- is not on the same caliber. Like he is not on the same acting caliber as the rest of the people in that movie. No. Um, I mean, like, you've got, like, uh, Woody Harrelson. I love him in this movie. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> yeah, I he unrecognizable in the movie. Stanley yeah. Tucci, completely out of left field in this movie. Like, yeah. I love him as Caesar, and, like, I there's no other role that Stanley Tucci has ever done that comes anywhere close to the ridiculousness of this character, and you buy every second of it. Even like his little sidekick is like the the Hydra guy from Captain America. Like even yep. he's like <laughs> like a he's, pretty high caliber actor. He's probably on screen for a grand total of like three minutes, and he is more entertaining, and I'm more drawn into him than I was the co-star of the movie. And obviously, he's not in this movie, but like Philip Seymour Hoffman was in these movies. Like, he, the, I, how did they get these? Donald people? Sutherland as the president. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ! Like and this then cast you got is Josh Hutcherson. <laughs> this cast is absolutely stacked. And then there's Peta. Yeah. <laughs> even oh, even the man. little sister, I felt did a much better job. Um, yeah, I mean, I would I would agree. I think Peta is the weakest part of this. Just only because, no, I mean, not only because, I mean, we've done a lot of bashing of the actor right now, but. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's not so much but, him. Respect to him. It's just I think his it's performance in this it, movie. The, I hated his character. Yeah, I just didn't, too, so. I just didn't like the character. I, would, I just was like, maybe it's just a little bit more convenient for it to have been uh, Hemsworth, but I just feel like there would have been a little bit more, more stakes on the line if it was yeah. that character that got chosen instead, you know? Yeah, and, like, I just don't buy their... And maybe that's part of it. Like, I just don't buy their romance at all in this movie. Like... Well, they don't really have... Spoilers for the next couple movies. They don't really have that romance. Like, the whole... Yeah. This whole subplot, or this whole plot in the movie is designed to set up the rest of the series where they have to pretend like they're actually in love, but... the but actually it's Gail and Katniss that are in love and Pete is just kind of pushed off to the side. But because of the but way they won she... the Hunger Games, they have to pretend like they're this happy couple. But that, then she I... actually, like, she's supposed to actually fall in love with him at a certain point, which I never bought, but whatever. Well, I mean, that's that's further on down. I mean, I can understand not buying the relationship in this movie because... There is no relationship. It's a completely one-sided. I kind of see do see him with the love thing. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I definitely see that Katniss is faking it for the cameras. Yeah. 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 And not just as an actress. I, I can't not mention um, Lenny Kravitz. Holy oh. shit. Oh, yeah. With his gold eyeliner. Like, he is... I, I like it. I like it a lot. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Um, I'm going to have to jump back to something that Ben said about the pacing on like, cause I haven't watched this movie in forever. So watching it again, I was like, oh yeah, like this thing cuts like crazy. Like it, like we're just jumping from one thing like, oh, someone's face over there, like reaction shots and stuff like that. You know, when they're, when, when they're all in the, you know, they're standing in line when everyone's looking at the screen, whether it yeah. be yep. somebody like they're watching what happens in the Hunger Games, or they're all waiting to see whose name get called or something like that. We just you just cut from like one person to another, but it's not like it's almost like you don't even have time to see the reaction. 
Right. And it's just kind of like, yeah, there's something kind of weird going on with the pacing. And I'm wondering if that is, well, obviously it's intentional, but like. I mean, and when I said that the pacing mean? felt weird, it it wasn't so much that it felt bad or felt wrong. It just felt different. Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't feel bad or anything. It's just like, I'm trying to think, think like, well, why are we just racing through it, you know? But th- that's also because, they, I mean, they raced through it and it still took them an hour to get to the Hunger Games. Yeah. Right? So, like, I can only imagine what the film would feel like if they hadn't raced through some of the, the, that feeling. If they let some of those moments linger, there's enough of those moments that they don't let linger quite long enough that yeah. I feel like the movie could be a lot longer if they spread it out a bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Here's a question for you. On the top of uh, on the top of your head, what is probably the most memorable moment of this movie for you? Okay, Hannah, let's start with you. Uh, well, I already mentioned um, the one where Katniss screams, I volunteer as tribute, and uh, she's brought up to the stage. But uh, the other one is... And Jennifer Lawrence plays this so unbelievably well um, is when she's seeing uh, Cinna uh, right before she's supposed to go into the Hunger Games and um, he hugs her and then she gets into the tube and like she just turns around and looks at him and you can just see like the absolute terror in her eyes before she's supposed to go up to the plane. And that scene, like she... I don't know what she did, but she fucking nailed it. It was, that performance was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I, I think, um, one of the most memorable moments for me is right close to that scene there. Um, it's when the horn blows and the hunger games start, you're not like, you're expecting it to be brutal, but you're not expecting it to be as brutal as it is. Like I, like I was a big fan of what many can, considered to be the original version of the hunger games battle royale and that's a that's a brutal brutal movie but that's like a that's a like a hard r-rated movie gory and violent this one i knew it was going to be a lot but i didn't realize like especially for its rating because i think it's only pg-13 i think yeah i'm pretty sure it's only pg-13 and it's pg-13 that horn blows everyone starts running and there are kids getting their throats slit open and the movie completely changes once that horn once that horn blows and you you like the way that that opening is like you can feel you can feel katniss's anxiety and fear and like the the way she's looking around and the camera swings around and you just see that little kid murdered by uh some of the bigger kids from uh district one and like the the quiet kind of dull sound and like her panicking and realizing I made a huge mistake. This was not what I should have done. And trying to figure out that plan while also going, where the fuck are these people that are trying to kill me? Like, I got to be on my toes. That that scene was really cool to me. Yeah, they kind of go into this whole, like, shell shock sort of, like, yeah. effect. And Absolutely. Really nice. My uh, my scene is, I'm going to have to go with the whole Rue scene where, uh, and Jennifer Lawrence, like, plays this beautifully as well as where, Rue gets, you know, she's, she tries to save Rue. She takes down the attacker, but yeah. Rue gets a fucking javelin through her. Oh, my God. And I was just like, how is this girl still standing with a fucking six-foot javelin in her? Um, I cried. But <laughs> I think that whole sequence of just, like, it's just complete innocence. Of course, this is a person that she, only, you know, thinks of as another sister. 
because she's, you know, a little bit younger than what her sister's age is in the film. But also that moment where that's this is like what starts to spark the revolution. Yeah, it's this little it's this little child being taken down, and someone from another district. Because all these districts, like you're supposed to stay within your district. You're supposed, you're not supposed to. I want to have more, and here's someone from another district that went to try to save someone from a different district, but then also is like personally affected by this. It is, it is mourning for this person. And that is just incredible. And that whole salute that they do and they come, oh that, that God, joins everyone that together. Salute. That whole sequence to me is heartbreaking. It's beautiful. Uh, it's well-constructed and it, and it lets it breathe. It does, You're not trying to race through it. The pacing is great because we're just, we're just watching it as it happens and you and- get mad. You get so mad during that. I was fucking... I was like, oh, yeah, let's burn this fucker to the ground. Um, I got mad at... I got, I got mad at, at what's-his-face, the president. I was like, god damn you. I was like, god damn it, man. And I, you know, then you remember... There's some There's some parts of the movies where you're just like... You kind of get lost in it, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, I've, I've got a quick question, because maybe I wasn't paying as close enough attention. Did Rue tell her about that salute? Because I'm no. pretty sure she did in the books, did she not? They do it at the beginning. Yeah, they do it uh, when she when Katniss gets up on stage right before she leaves to go to the Hunger Games. Oh, right. Okay. But the whistle... The, the like, whistle is from Rue, yeah. whistle, yeah. Yeah. So. One of the things that felt a little weird to me is how long the actual Hunger Games last. Like, they're there for, like, a week. Yeah, well, they and they kind of talk about that at the beginning, Um where they're saying like you'll die of exposure before you'll die of the whatever. So I like it's uh they're there for for definitely some time. Um Rue said that Katniss was unconscious for like 2 days. Yeah. So that like that's crazy that like how did my my big issue with that moment is like how the hell did Rue move Katniss, take care of her, fend for her, feed her while she was unconscious for 2 days? And not get caught or found. Like, she couldn't have hauled Katniss up a tree. But that's that's Rue's, like, special power, though, right? Is like, she is, doesn't, she isn't seen. Like, they've yeah, estab- but- like, they established, like, she stole the guy's knife and she was in the rafters. Nobody saw her except for, except for Katniss. Yeah, that part, that there. part, like, Rue on her own, I get, but, like, basically all she could do was drag Katniss under a tree branch. Or, like, under a couple tree branches. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, true. I don't know. For two days, and like, Kat, how did Katniss survive? Because you need some sustenance, right? Yeah, totally. I don't know. That's just me. But other than like, that was my only real gripe with the Hunger Games, I think. Totally. And I mean, that's Pita, a valid but. point, of course. The, I got to say, the makeup on Peta when he's the tree <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> oh my God. I, I loved it. But then I was like, the fuck did you come up with the stuff for this like, how, Mine, how yeah, you... like where do you get the fucking brush he <laughs> <laughs> is such a stupid character I hate oh, him yeah. so much and like it felt really shoehorned in the fact that he was going like it was when they're training it's so obvious that that's gonna come back uh he's painting his arm and katniss was like oh that's really good and he's like oh yeah well it's kind of it's all right and i'm like okay well this is clearly going to be a major plot point later on in the movie because why the hell else would you waste enough time to focus on his hand and show how good of a job he's doing with it yeah absolutely and then where is he going to get the stuff to do this in the wilderness because i don't i don't know i don't think he got away with a whole lot of stuff when the uh camp got attacked by bees but i can't remember what they call them bees they're bees tracker jackers right Tracker jackers. 
That's a stupid Also, name. those dogs at the end. So in the book, the dogs at the end are supposed to have the faces of the kids that were killed earlier in the Hunger Games. Like they're yep. supposed to be these weird, mutant, creepy looking things. And the dogs are weird looking and scary. I'm really glad they didn't <laughs> put human faces on them because they would have looked just ridiculous yeah. like it's a creepy visual when you can kind of picture it in your own brain but i'm sure the vfx team was like no <laughs> we, are, we are not doing that it's gonna yeah. look oh, ridiculous hell no. i've i've i hate those goddamn dogs uh those dogs that was one of the sequences where i was just like this is lasting like maybe one two three minutes too long like we're <laughs> running away from the dogs we get it Run, start running away from the dogs and then go to the place where the big final battle thing happens. Like, we don't need to turn this into some fucking Harry Potter sequence where it's like, I'm running away from the thing, you know, like, just fucking go. Because then you're just like, yeah, we get it. They're trying to eat you. Whatever. They lasted like, too long on the that. that, And then I felt like the movie ended pretty quickly. Like, it just. Yeah, like, they wrap it, it just up ends so like quick. that. I don't know. It's it, again. It comes back to the the not bad but weird pacing. Like they some sequences feel like they could have been cut down a little bit, like that chase. And then like I would have liked another two three minutes just to let the the ending breathe a little bit more. Because I it ended and I was like I feel like I missed something. Well, yeah. even their like little berries thing near the end. Like they they jump off the thing and they're like. Oh, you both can't live now, and they're just like, "Okay, berries, let's go." <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's oh, we've changed. Well, I mean, we've changed our minds. They did set you, that up earlier. No, I know they set it up earlier. It just like it happens so fast. Like they're like Katniss is just like eating berries. Okay, we're oh, both yeah. gonna die. <laughs> yeah, it it just it's just all of a sudden it's over, and you're just ah, like I know that they're like, "All right, it's over. You're wanting more. Come back and watch the second one." But to me, it just ended a little too abruptly. Yeah. yeah. So well, I kind of want to watch the second one. What? <laughs> I you know what? I finished it and I was like, "Do I want to keep going with the series?" I've only seen the first two. I've never seen the last. The last two? one was split up into two, right? Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was a trilogy that was split into four or four that was split into five. No, oh, it was God. it was four movies. I think they split three the last books, one into three, three books, four yeah. movies. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen um, any of Mockingjay. I've only seen uh, Catching Fire. I saw the first one of Mockingjay, and I quite liked it. Like, I won't spoil it in case we do watch it. <laughs> but, On, uh, but I mean, like, uh, Catching Fire has another stacked cast. Yeah, like it's got. Well, uh, they- they introduced Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, and um, uh, what's his... I'm blanking on his name now. From uh, Westworld and uh, Casino Royale. Bernard from uh, Westworld. Oh, yes, yeah. And um, I know that he's not... He wasn't a huge actor before this movie, but the guy that plays the handsome... The other handsome one, the mermaid man. What's his name? Oh, God. Oh, I forget. Not the mermaid. Yeah, the mermaid man. Jeffrey Wright I, is who I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, fuck, what's his name? He's handsome, man. Sam Sam Clafin. Clafin. He w- he wound up being in a pirates movie. Anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to you know do a part two of this maybe. Um, 
but that's uh I think that's pretty much it for us. Yeah. I like overall I had a really good experience with it. I I was worried that it wasn't going to hold up. Some of the VFX stuff was kind of like, eh, okay, it's 2013. It's a little dated, Come yeah. Come on, guys, but it was fine. It was I I like the movie as a whole. I don't think it's necessarily going to be something I'm going to go out of my way to watch too often, but every now and then it might be something I'll I'll put on. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I'm probably not as much as it, I did when I first saw it, but I, I definitely did enjoy it quite a bit. Out of uh, out of five mocking jays, Hannah, how many would you give it? I would give it like a solid four and a half mocking jays. Four and a half. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah I, I like. I had a really good time. Ben, what about you? Mm, I don't think I would go four and a half. Um, I feel like three and a half is a little too low, so I'd sit with four. And I as well. I'm gonna go with four. Yeah, had a had a solid score to it too. Yeah, that, yeah, the like, score is great. This, even whatever, I'm gonna stop talking. Yeah, about all, all, the other movies, but. I was gonna say all all of the soundtracks, including this one, are fantastic as well. I remember um, I worked at a record store when a lot of these soundtracks came out, and they were number one. Like they were huge sellers for us. Like, yeah, they, they were would really, fly like, off the shelf as soon as they came in. That's been the Winchester's review of The Hunger Games. Make sure to catch us next week where we're going to talk about Transformers. Just the one, Transformers, and we're going to dive deep into that. You can join in on the conversation by following us on all social media, at WinchesterCast. If you're listening to us for the first time, thanks for popping by, and make sure to subscribe to us on wherever you find your podcasts. Hannah, where can the good people find you? Everyone can find me at Shiny Bad Guys and uh, check out our website too. It's uh, winchestercast.ca. Ben, hit him with those deets. Uh, you can find me at The Ben Bray. Um, and if you're on Twitter, join in the conversation with hashtag WinchesterCast. And I'm Scott. You can find me on all social media at SCAYP, S C A Y P. That's been the Winchester. Thanks for jumping in. We'll see you next time. Pew, 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 pew. pew, pew.